Regardless of the process you're trying to automate, it's likely that you're migrating from another system, be it Excel, email, or a legacy application. In this episode, we have two subject matter experts that discuss the importance of modifying your process versus modifying the platform to maximize your outcomes and minimize your risks. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Hello, ServiceNow builders, admins, developers, and all of you curious individuals that I always say with the utmost love and respect, welcome to or welcome back to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. And by we, I mean me and low-code Lauren. How are you, Lauren? I know I'm doing fantastic. I'm coming off my Memorial Day weekend, feeling refreshed and ready to go. Awesome. Awesome. We are also joined by the aforementioned subject matter experts on process and platform modifications. Let's quickly say hello to Harsh Deep Garg. How are you, Harsh? Hey, hi, Chuck. I'm doing great. And Raghavir Murthy. How are you, Raghu? Thank you for asking, Chuck. I'm doing really well. How about you? I'm doing well. You are the ones who are staying up late, and we're the ones who are getting up early to make this happen. <laughs> Before we begin, we like to get to know our guests. So let's start with Raghu. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, so I'm Raghu Veer. I'm really thrilled to be here. So I come from uh, a beautiful city of Bangalore. It's in southern part of India and also known as Silicon Valley of India. Apart from uh, being the major hub uh, for technology and innovations, uh, Bangalore is uh, also famous for its pleasant weather. Uh, in fact, it has earned the nickname called uh, Garden City uh, due to its numerous parks, greeneries, and uh, the tree-lined streets in, in, in uh, every part of the city. So if you ever visit in Bangalore, in India, be prepared to enjoy the cool and uh, climate uh, and uh, take a relaxing uh, stroll in one of its the green space. It's a truly a city uh, where the technology and nature I've seen coexisting for at least three decades now uh, in a perfect harmony. You could get a job for the Bangalore Tourism Board with that. Program. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, Thank Harsh. Uh, I'm hoping you're either in Bangalore or you have a better promo for where you live. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Harsh. Uh, I come from India. Within India, I come from a city called Faridabad, which is very close to the capital of India. It's known for its extreme weather. So right now we are having a rainy season. I'm just liking the weather we are going through. Uh, on the professional front, I started my career on ServiceNow platform, and I spent about 12 years on the platform since I started. And there are three dimensions I got exposed to over the last 12 years, uh, which includes working as an implementation specialist, being part of the sales team, and the last being last but not the least, and being a product manager for the last few years. This is what I bring to the table. Happy to be on this podcast with Chuck and Lauren. Very nice. And Raghu, when you're not working, what do you enjoy doing? I suspect it has something to do with all these wonderful parks you mentioned. <laughs> Absolutely, Chuck. Um, see, I have uh, multiple hobbies, but a few of the things which I really would like to call out is uh, I love cooking and experimenting with the new uh, recipes. And mm. I, I, I'm, I specialize especially in making a 
carrot halwa it's called in hindi halwa is a pudding and a carrot pudding okay and and i can whip up some of these halwa real quick and that has become a legendary among my friends and families and i'm sure harsh has tasted my one of my carrot halwa back in us when we were living together <laughs> harsh he's called you out you have to give it on a scale of 1 to 10 <laughs> no pressure here well, how would you rate his his carrot halwa i'll rate it at 9 I, he was as he rightly said we were roommates and we spent some quality time together uh, while we were working on an engagement these are the answers that i i love that are unexpected when they come out on these kind of discussions <laughs> it was instant <laughs> and yeah. uh, okay harsh what do you do when you're not at work yeah so i love to play with my 20 month old daughter whenever i get leisure time and the second hobby i pursue a lot is uh, hanging out with my friends i have a I, I like to be social with people, and that's what I do. Excellent, that perfect, and what a nice work-life balance y'all seem to have found. Well, speaking of the work side, time to pivot our topic onto the title of today's episode, which is talking about the split between modifying one's process and modifying the platform in which the process is being enacted on. So, give us a little rundown at a high level of what that kind of refers to. Okay, uh, so. what we what we're trying to uh, convey the, is uh, one of the major principle that most of our uh, developer community have to uh, follow so modifying the process to suit the best use of the platform and not the other way around of modifying the platform to suit the process is is definitely a, a principle we want to emphasize uh, the importance of aligning the processes with the capabilities and uh, best practice offered by a particular platform or technology as it is sold so so instead of altering the platform uh, to fit the existing prevailing processes uh, the the suggestion is to adopt and optimize the processes to leverage the full potential of the platform now if this principle is often applied uh, in in the context of like say all our implementation specifically in the service now space uh, which is an enterprise service management um, platform and uh, so so forcing the platform to conform to the existing workflows uh, organizations are encouraged to evaluate and streamline their processes uh, so that they can leverage the uh, platform features and the benefits that, that it brings into the table readily uh, so with this what happens it's not uh, just a win for the organizations who are, who are using the platform but it is also a win for the developers because down the line the maintenance is reduced there is a, a quick turnaround in doing the implementation because you have a little configuration that needs to be done uh, to unlock the full potential of the platform uh, improve the efficiency and uh, thereby drive drive the business outcomes sooner than doing it later No, I see this in my mind uh, as a two by two matrix, where process modification will put it on the x axis, and platform modification on the y axis. So you've got two boxes on top, two boxes on bottom, and it sounds like what you want to do is keep us as close as possible to that lower half, less platform modification, regardless of how much process modification you need to do. Is that a, a fair assessment? Yes, Chuck. That's a fair assessment, and and let me just add some more dimensions why why modifying the process makes more business sense. So oh, there are a couple of few dimensions I would like to cover with my response. So first and the foremost is by modifying the process, you get the best value from your investment in the platform. 
then it also ensures that you don't bring the process inefficiencies from your legacy platform to the new platform it also helps you in elevating the user experience and the last but not the least it helps you to keep your technical debt in check which keeps your numbers around maintainability upgradeability performance in green that ties in beautifully with the podcast that we just did on technical governance understanding what those options are so if you haven't listened to episode 79 which was released on May 31st you can go find it at the usual places where you find your podcast so shameless plug for a previous episode <laughs> as i was just saying what a nice tie in <laughs> you mentioned you know it ensures that you don't bring your previous process inefficiencies in the new platform i love that i i used to tell my customers all the time it's it's a bit like putting lipstick on a pig you know you you you, you can you can only take that old process so far before it falls apart don't make the new platform try to behave like the old platform otherwise you're why did you even invest in service now if you're just trying to make it work like you know product crap <laughs> i didn't want to name any products yeah so one thing that you had mentioned as well as all the the benefits right to modifying the pr process first but as we know sometimes uh People love to focus on the benefits, but sometimes avoiding pain is a better motivator. <laughs> like, are there potential risks that developers have to keep in mind regarding uh, process versus platform maintainability? Absolutely, uh, Lauren. Uh, this is something that backdate in my experience as a when I started with the service now as a developer, definitely. So I, I actually started way back. Uh, a decade ago, uh, close to two decades now. Uh, so I started in, in terms of the uh, process consulting and uh, ITSM uh, process consulting. And uh, from the process consulting, I graduated into uh, or moved into more of doing the uh, tools consulting. And uh, when my interest more gained in the uh, service now specifically uh, to configure, so I started getting my hands dirty. And I was a developer with an experience of about nearly eight years. And I was doing this development sitting next to uh, Harshdeep and uh, in US and uh, doing this. So while doing that, okay, so the risk, potential risk, what I was actually foreseeing that time, because wearing the cap of a business, technical business analyst, wearing kind of a half cap of a solution architect. Okay, so I was always worried okay, how scalable my solutions will be, what configuration I'm doing tomorrow if uh, customers wants to change this configurations in a, in a better way or if they want to expand or scale, scale it to the organization wide, how flexible it is. Okay, so that's number one risk which I always used to think while doing the configuration. So maintainability is definitely is uh, in the higher radar focus. Plus, okay, we back in during those days i am talking about nearly eight years ago from today uh, servicenow platform upgrade was a project in itself along parallelly running with the implementation projects uh, it's not today because uh, it's it's a bau activity now uh, we call these upgrades but during those days we were very conscious about what if these features is introduced by the product itself or if these features are modified in the upgrade itself so this is one of the other risks that we used to think um, deliberate and basically whiteboard all these things in terms of solutioning itself and last but not least is one of the main thing what we were focusing is the user experience and uh, both from the ui 
as well as from the performance. Uh, we all use technology today to order foods, to basically go for any of the travels related things. And we, we always see the performance. The key part of it is how intuitive it is. So keep it simple and uh, ensure the performance is all good. So this is another risk definitely we were uh, looking at while coding or configuring and ensuring that, okay, that I strongly encourage uh, the developers all to think all these, uh, the risk as uh, these three risks, mainly while doing the configuration itself or while reading the stories and trying to understand what you're trying to do and then what is this risk. This is a little bit of a surprise question, but I always like to prompt for real life examples. Do you happen to have one that showcases the pitfalls of not following that with like any sort of metrics? I can I can come up with, uh, I mean, more than a dozen of examples, but uh, what I would like to call out is uh, mainly customizing the out of the box scripts in order to meet the business requirements of the customer uh, because we were having the pressure to do that, deliver that. Uh, it was uh, to comply to the contractual requirement. We just went ahead and did it without even understanding the risk that it is posing to us as well as to the customer. And we ended up having significant performance issues, uh, which after all the troubleshooting, we got to know that, okay, this is the small little code sitting behind, which is causing this whole performance issue. <laughs> that's a phenomenal example, because that's something that's really easily and commonly probably done. So I appreciate the transparency on that and like showing how how all that experience translated into the growth as well of like this theory. It's really interesting. <laughs> I'm sure Lauren, I will have more, ex- I mean, more other people who are listening to the podcast today, uh, they would have gone through this uh, situation and uh, they will be thinking or relating themselves back in those days. So nowadays, because of customers over customizing the platform over the years, mm-hmm. service now implement re-implementation projects are also becoming common. Mm. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of those out in the field. <laughs> yeah, they call it back to box service now reimplementation. Yeah, so that's a common thing now. Yeah, a- an example I've got of that, I can give you one that went either way. The the classic story that I apologize if you've been listening to Breakpoint for a while and you've heard this story before. One of the business analysts, Courtney, came in to me and said, "Hey, we need to have an email attachment as proof of authorization, you know, an approval, if you will." when we grant elevated access on certain systems. And she wanted that captured as an email attachment. And I said, you're not seeing the better picture here. Since I had familiarity with the platform, I knew we had built-in approvals. They show up in a related list, who's been requested, who actually did the approval, what happened to the others, is it all, or is it many, is it one? You know, So we had a better discussion about that. And what used to take a week for the auditors to filter through all of this evidence, consuming one of our precious conference rooms, which I know times have changed, but conference rooms used to be a precious commodity when we all worked in the same office. They would chew up this conference room for a week after we implemented the new process using the onboard service now approvals, no email attachments, mind you. It took them a day. The auditors were in and out in a day. And, and a large part of that was because we were using the capabilities on the platform. Harsh, are there any formal approaches that people could take when modifying the process to align with the platform? Sure, Chuck. Not sure if there is a formal approach to take care of this, but I will definitely would like to throw some light on what I have seen working in my experience. So I'll 
I would like to break my response into three dimensions. I'll start with process. It's very important to understand the pros and cons of the current processes before we get into a digital transformation project like this. We also need to make sure that we analyze the impact of making this process change in the new platform. The next one is the technology aspect. Uh, it has been not noticed a lot that developers who are working on ServiceNow platform, they don't have an in-depth understanding of the out-of-box behavior of the platform. So it's very important to understand that. Anything else? Oh, yeah. I, I was talking about the technology aspects. It's important mm -hmm. to have a pretty good technical governance in place to take care of this aspect. Another shameless plug for the last podcast. And, and that uh, acts like a game changer when it comes to dealing with this situation. Another thing I, I recommend developers to take care of is to maintain a customization register. Each and every customization you do in the platform have a register of it, which clearly calls out the rationale, whether it was a business smart customization or was it a regulatory requirement, something of that sort. The last dimension is people. It's very important to involve the right stakeholders when you are conducting workshops skilled developers when you are building the platform and and the other important aspect when it comes to end users you need to address the audience resistance with a great ocm plan so continuing the discussion about people uh weirdly enough this was my eighth knowledge conference which was really exciting my sixth as a employee and one of the consistencies throughout those conferences uh, when I am doing the low and no code tutorial, basically at building 101, it yeah. never ceases to amaze me how many people who have are just tipping their toe into building things on ServiceNow come at me with the question of, is it wise to do customizations? It, it always flabbergasts me. Oh, Lord, <laughs> I hear that word. And I, you know I cringe every time I hear that word. I, I do as well. And I'm always shocked that no matter how large our company grows or how many years pass, it's a consistent fear that a lot of customers have. So is it wise to do customizations? I always ask them, what's a customization? I mean, that's a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that this configuration and customization, I think these two words uh, got into the dictionary, maybe after ServiceNow was born. <laughs> I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so waiting, I mean, I'm as a principal platform market, Lauren, even I do get a lot of these questions from my CXOs uh, stakeholders, as well as the directors uh, whom I work with. Uh, some of the uh, the conf the requirement which comes up uh, directly on the table, uh, the question asked is, Raghuveer, do you know if this is available out of the box? And I say, no. And they say that, what do we do? Now, this is where I pitch in the uh, concept of business smart customization. And as rightly also pointed out by my colleague, uh, Hirsch, just in a previous question about the customization register. So all these things is, is a concept or is a approach that we suggest Okay, to, to our customer. So uh, what is this business smart customization is all about? It's, it, it refers uh, uh, to the practice of making this targeted and uh, strategic customization. So it's more of an informed way of making the decisions. Yes, I'm doing this customization to meet this demand or requirement, which will in turn give me this business outcome and a value, which is much higher than 
having this risk in place which can which which we have the mitigation plans and everything so the goal is to avoid the unnecessary complexity and potential future upgrade challenges while still achieving the desired business outcome so what i would say to all the developers who are listening is to adopt this business smart approach uh, and it's a win win situation for again for the uh, developers as well as for the organizations who benefit from the flexibility and the scalability which are referred uh, as well for uh, this service no platform uh, implementation while ensuring these customizations stay focused um, and they are purposeful and uh, they are aligned to the industry best practices uh, that service now recommends but there's another side to that right because there are, there are times when you have a third party involved whether it's another a customer or a regulatory compliance thing. How how does that fit in when you when you when you lost control of what you can control? Correct. Absolutely. So so here is where we make that decision, uh, Chuck. Rightly you said there is a regulatory requirements to meet, or there's a contractual requirements to meet where where there's no there's no no for turning back. Okay, or changing the uh, process here in this cases. We're talking about changing the process here uh, and not the platform, but in these cases um, to meet those requirements, those process requirements to uh, of the objectives to meet the regulatory requirements or the contractual requirements, we have to change the platform. And in order to do that, make that conscious decision of the value versus the risk. Okay, so you, this is the uh, uh, business smart customization. There's a very good article, white paper. We have it in ServiceNow as well. Pretty much, I'm sure that okay, most of our developers who are listening, they must have gone through that. If not, I strongly encourage to uh, to go through that white paper, so that you know how you can approach, basically break down your requirement and uh, make those decisions and uh, arrive those values, and then finally decide. And this is a joint decision along with uh, that, that you put it in the plate and basically the customers make that decision. Yes, this is the right thing to do in the platform. And having gone through a number of regulatory and compliance things in my 40 plus years of history, I invite you to question every one of them because a lot of times the people who are telling you this must be done on the platform are are just, they're they're handing you a technical Mm -hmm. requirement many times rather than the process requirement. And you know, take that example of Courtney saying we have to have an email attachment. Yeah. To her, that was a regulatory requirement. The underlying requirement was we need to show evidence of approval. Mm. So how that manifests itself could still be done with an out-of-box platform capability. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to go build something that's brand new, that you have to maintain, that you know, there's there's a lot of leeway in many of these, as I've discovered, whether it's government or medical or privacy, understand what that underlying requirement is all about and what compliance needs to be met. And then you can start analyzing what are my options here before you immediately run to, hey, we've got to go build a custom UI page or a portal widget or you know something that, that could potentially be a burden down the road. Speaking to the evaluation, is there a way that you can actually attach some sort of metric to the evaluation of success for a process modification? Yeah, absolutely, Lauren. In my experience, uh, there are a few things which developers can do to measure the success of process modification. The first one being usage analytics. It's an in-platform capability, and that helps you to track adoption of the platform. You want to make sure 
that did process modification impacted the adoption in a negative way the other one is a very known one that is a health scan which gives you very objective numbers for upgradeability maintainability performance user experience so forth and so forth and the last but not the least is the post go live survey that helps you understand the pulse of your end users that's a great idea i didn't even thought of the post go live survey but and coming from uh, the service industry background uh, definitely we do have uh, those post go live surveys being triggered from our partner instance which collects the uh, customer satisfaction of about uh, the whole deployment the implementation experience uh, from the customer it's not just one stakeholder but different stakeholders who are involved the product owner the process owners as well as uh, the the uh, the directors and the the management who are who are the sponsors to the whole overall transformation project yeah no, that's a good point it puts the the light of these are your customers you should be serving your customers to find out are they adopting or, or uh, am i doing a good job well ragu as a developer i know one of the risks is that you, you don't always know what the platform has to offer you know we talked about courtney before and and how she didn't know that there were built-in approvals and i brought that to light but had i not known that i might have done something that i still regret today where can a developer go to learn about the platform capabilities awesome uh chuck I, I would love to share my experience in this because I've I've grown from the developer itself as uh, hands-on. When I started getting my hands-on into the service now, the first thing where I used to always do one-stop shop is in ServiceNow Docs to read about the functionalities. So that, that that that's a place where I used to understand the capability, how it works, what is the way it we can make uh, the implementation and everything. The next place where if I don't find the answer. i would strongly recommend is the developer community you post your questions i will let you know that uh, okay before you turn around and uh, ask this question around people around sitting you and they scratch with the head and they come back you will re- receive the response in the community uh, this is my experience there are round the clock we have all our uh, par- partner community i mean the customers everybody in the co- in the in the community world and uh, they respond quickly i would put a yes and on that i love the community It's important that you ask the question properly though. Do not just throw out a technical question. How do I get this to display on the screen? That's that's too specific. What you want to ask is the underlying business requirement. I have a requirement to present a notification, a message some way. You know, give the business outcome, not the technical outcome. So many people do that and then they wind up getting you know one or more technical answers that don't really fit and now they're just creating more of that technical debt because hey that's what the community said explore the options yeah. and and that was always one of my most common responses when somebody would do that is like what is it you're trying to achieve what is the desired outcome tell me the business requirement not the technical requirement absolutely a dot on so uh, exactly so what you said is correct uh, chuck thank, thanks for that and uh, so just move on to the next areas where i would uh, request the developers to explore uh, to understand the capabilities as well as uh, to to look for the solution is definitely within your circles who are the subject matter experts so identify the subject matter experts in your close group and reach out with those questions and as you rightly said state the purpose state the what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to basically get the outcome and then 
you will easily get the response, as you said. And that will be to the point where you don't have to back and forth and uh, do the clarification. And lastly, I would like to point out is do listen to the break point. You, at least you will be get a kickstart of all the topics, what you want. Well, we always appreciate the plug for previous episodes. We've been doing that ourselves the whole time today, too. <laughs> Um, I guess my last question revolves around balance. I think we've talked a lot about process and platform and finding a good cohesion between the two. And one thing that I see a lot of people struggle with as far as balance is transforming an old system into a new system, right? You'll oftentimes see people utilizing an older platform or an older system and wanting to just basically copy and paste that onto ServiceNow. Is there some sort of guidance that you can provide on why that should be avoided or how to find a good equilibrium between the two that leaves older users not left in the dark and newer users still utilizing the newest of the new of a platform? Great question. So, Lauren, first of all, it's a common mistake that a lot of customers do and have done in the past. Bringing the old process into a new system is definitely a bad idea. Mm. As the design team, we should definitely refrain from that. Reason being, they are two different platforms. They are built on two different philosophies, two different data models, and two different architectures. Mm. There is no point trying to create remedy on service now right <laughs> and as i called it out in the earlier responses too it absolutely leads to higher technical debt and that makes your solution not a scalable one in the long run and the most impactful thing is it deviates you from achieving the business outcomes with with the intention with which you invested in the platform itself good point so your your advice is to focus more so on the original outcome of the original application, right? And instead of just copying and pasting how it's set up yep. on the older system to reframe the outcome on how it should exist on the new platform, correct? Yep. Yep. Nice. Yeah. What I've found is a lot of times your process was built around, like you said, built around the, the previous platform or software application and there were limitations to that. You know, if you take Excel, for example, Excel doesn't do notifications. So your process has a step in there for someone to send an email at a certain point or a text message or Teams or Slack or whatever. We can automate that. So that doesn't become a step for a person. It becomes a step for the system to do. So you can still achieve the same outcomes. And maybe it's automated. You don't even need that notification anymore because you're not asking someone, oh, I'm throwing the ball into your court it creates a task and it assigns them anyway. So look at it from the standpoint of let's ditch the old limitations. Let's ditch the old you know, shackles to that old process and look at what's new, what's possible. How can we be more effective and more efficient? That's not to say every single thing will fit perfectly into the ServiceNow platform, but you've got a much better starting point with your eyes wide open rather than attaching yourself to, like you said, what will become some technical debt, some compliance debt, perhaps. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Harsh and Raghu. It has been a pleasure talking to you today. Before we leave, let's start with Raghu. Can you tell people where they can get in touch with you? Definitely. People living in Bangalore, just pop into the service now office. I'll be there. <laughs> 
That's first. Second. <laughs> 24-7. He's there all the time. He doesn't leave. <laughs> and uh, yes, you can reach me to my email ID. It's raghuveer.murthy at the rate servicenow.com. And Harsh? Yep. My name is pretty unique. I'm there on LinkedIn with the name Harsh Deep Kirk. You'll not find a second person with this name. It's pretty easy. Nice. That's that's branding. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget, we have many other podcasts over at servicenow.com slash community under the events menu or devlink.sn slash podcast will get you there as well. You can subscribe to this and any of them get them automatically delivered to you for free as they become available. Never miss another episode at all, whether it's Breakpoint or one of the others. Breakpoint is brought to you by ServiceNow. Executive producers would be me and Lauren. Video and captions are by our own Earl Duque. And to find out more about the ServiceNow developer program, we mentioned this earlier, but you're certainly welcome to head over to developer.servicenow.com. Again, thank you so much, Harsh and Raghu, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Chuck. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. Does that sound about right? Nice. Am I next? I'm next. I believe you are. (laughs) It's okay. So as a new developer, one of the risks that you don't know what am I trying to say here? Is there something? Is there? Wait, let me try that again. Uh, you're you're making editing all the more fun today. Sorry, Lauren, I did it again. That's a story for another day. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Sorry, proceed with my rest of my response. Or not listening? Keep talking. That was really, really good. And I'll stop here. Stop it here. Oh yeah, good idea.